is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hopefully, everybody's having a great day out there. we got a lot of stuff to cover. We'll get into some good conversations with our buddy John Morosi, who's with us at 5 o'clock today. Always look forward to that conversation for baseball fans and hockey fans and soccer fans and fans of things being pronounced the exact right way when it comes to dialect, when it comes to accent and rolling of the R's. Jose Barrios. <laughs> I love it. Can you do that, Mom? Uh, I can't roll my R's. <laughs> I do it in the back Bob of my throat like a gurgle. His it's like a gurgle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, John will uh, join us at five o'clock. Scott Fitterer, who was part of the Seahawks organization for quite a while in different different roles. He was a uh, was he vice president of player football operations yeah. most recently before he left, and now he's the GM yep. of the Carolina Panthers and a. Uh, a uh, buddy of yours who, I'll, I'll, just as a little tease, he had a, he had a little description of Dave and some of his athletic endeavors post NFL career <laughs> that uh, I, I found very humorous toward the end of the interview. So we we recorded that earlier and really good stuff from him though. Um, but he's out there at the combine uh, representing uh, obviously the Carolina Panthers, and we had a good conversation with him. You'll hear at three o'clock. So really good to talk to him. He's. He kind of reminded me of John, just his cadence, the way he talked. He's very similar to John. That's what Thank Lefko you. said. That's yeah. what Lefko said. Lyman goes, no. I, like, yes, see, I don't exactly. notice Exactly. Well, like Mike, yeah. what you said to me was, I'm probably too yes. close because Fitter was my neighbor and, you know, we hung out quite a bit and he's impugning my uh, athletic ability. Yeah, uh, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Uh, let but the listeners it, here. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really hear that. Oh, I, I'll have to I, listen to it and maybe uh, our textures. Yeah, when you when you listen in. to it at three o'clock, see if he sounds like John Schneider to you. Not okay. not exact tone, but just sort of like uh, Depoto and and um, yeah, and, Hollander. Uh, Hollander. Yeah, it's, it, it's the cadence thing for sure. I think when yeah. you're around somebody that much, you probably just pick yeah. it up naturally. I assume he was probably working, you know, in lockstep with John in his time here, and probably picked it up the way Hollander does with Depoto. Yeah, I, I think. Th- yeah, that's probably a thing. I, I'm really curious to hear now. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely listen in. To, but yeah, I definitely hear that with uh, with Hollander. Yeah, because it's all him and Jerry always kind of end every sentence with a question. Yeah, and it's <laughs> this guy is playing really well. And yeah, yeah. And they sound a lot alike. But I, I haven't really noticed it with uh, with John and Scott. Well, you guys can check for yourselves. Listen for yourselves at three o'clock. Good stuff from a, a GM out there. We talk, talked about a bunch of different things. Uh, so really informational, good stuff from him at three o'clock. Uh, meanwhile, the big news, you heard it there in the snapshot in case you just tuned in. Jalen Carter, who depending on which mock draft you look at, and there's I say you guys like six or seven of them last night. They're all over the place. Depending on which one you look at, he could be a number one pick. He could be a number two, number three. I mean, he's definitely considered one of the best prospects at any position in this draft. Is in a bit of trouble. Uh, he's been, he's got an arrest warrant out for charges of reckless driving uh, in a crash that resulted in, in, in uh, unfortunately, uh, the passing of uh, their teammate, killed a teammate and a recruiting staff member. And it sounds like they were just racing. Uh, it was uh, Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk against the 21... 21- 2021 Ford Expedition driven by the recruiting staffer, 24-year-old Chandler LaCroix, which led to the wreck. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's awful. 
It is. It's it's a terrible thing. I mean, in I don't know. It's not like he was. There's nothing about alcohol or anything like I that. I haven't seen anything. Remember with uh, with rugs. Uh, I think the driver. I have to confirm for sure. The driver of the car where they both passed away, there was some intoxication. Mm. Okay, but not with him. Not with Carter. Yeah. So, I mean, and this went on on January 15th is when it occurred. So, you know, that was a that was a long time ago. And so now all of a sudden, you know, it's the timing is kind of That it peculiar. comes out now. Yeah, right before the, the combine. Yeah, I mean, is that a thing? Because, you know, we talk about we've had two stories recently about guys getting drug tested, one of them being DK Metcalf right after he, you know, uh, won the MVP or whatever of the oh, All-Star the, yeah. charity game. And then same thing with, uh, who was it, Damian Lillard, I think, that got, got tested. So it's always kind of strange, the timing of it. And I always wonder about that. But, you know, yeah, it's a tragic event, first of all. But, man, and, and even being involved in that, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of a charge it's going to be other than reckless driving for him. But, you know, to be part of that, just gotta that's got to be really tough yeah. you know, to, to be part of. So, yeah, and, and he's the guy that I think we were all most sure that the Seahawks weren't maybe necessarily going to get, but that they certainly needed. Yeah, he he's the guy that if he were sitting there when they were picking, you might be upset if they didn't take him. Yeah. He, he'd be that guy. That's He seems to be the consensus, and the official charges are charged with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed his teammate and, and uh, the recruiting, and then... Just uh, other details on it, just as far as the alcohol portion of it goes. Um, the police investigators determined that, quote, alcohol impairment, racing, reckless driving, and speed were significant contributing factors to the crash. Uh, toxicology report indicated that LaCroix's blood alcohol, he was in the other car, uh, was 0.197. Goodness. Yeah. And because uh, the legal limit's 0.08, that more than twice the legal limit in Georgia Said they were driving around 104 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, it was an expedition, it looks like. Yeah, there's lots of details here about it. I mean, Chuck Knox used to always say this, nothing good happens after midnight. So this was at about 2.30 a.m. And, yeah, 104 miles an hour. And, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, just kids being kids, right? I mean, it didn't sound like there wasn't anything, no animosity between the two or anything like that. It was just... They were screwing around, and I did some stupid things when I was. I remember I got my mom's Toyota Corona, which was a four door, not the Corolla, the Corona, and I got it up to 110 miles an hour on a straight, and that thing was like shaking. You got and the everything. Rona up to 110. The Rona, <laughs> got the Rona, yo. How do you like that name for a car now? <laughs> the Rona, the Toyota Corona. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just. It's. It seems like every year something like this happens, but um, you know, hopefully for him, it all it all turns out well, and we'll, we'll see. I do. I do wonder about the timing, though. Yeah, that. I mean, remember what was the draft? It was w- with the Laramie Tunsil thing. Remember the 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 gas mask bong picture? All of a sudden came out right as the draft was about to happen, and that. That's yeah. Right. So so these things have a way of finding finding their way into the public at very. Uh, Crucial times. Do you, do you remember how shocking that was? I think you were down there for the draft. Yeah. And I, I think I the was. Picture. I believe it was between like uh, we were on the air and it was like in a commercial break or something. Yeah. And all of a sudden I look up and every TV monitor has a picture of a guy with a gas mask thing. And I, I didn't have 
any idea. I'm like, oh, he's just screwing around. Maybe that was his Halloween outfit or something yeah. like that. <laughs> no, nope. that was the gas mask. Wasn't it his father-in-law or something like that? Or That released it? Yeah, I think it was his father-in-law or his, uh, or not his father-in-law, like his girlfriend's or maybe his ex-stepdad or something like that. But yeah, Laramie Tunzel, and that, that dropped him a few. Yeah, yeah. Because no NFL team is going to go. You know, you you hear that noise, you see the picture, and all of a sudden, all right, we want that guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's turned into a heck of a player. Um, This is is, uh, the report that gives an update on the warrant out for Carter and him heading back to Georgia from the combine. This is from Patrick Quinn, Atlanta News first reporter. That's right. He was expected to address the media in Indianapolis, in fact, this morning. And we are expecting him now to come here to the athens Clark County Jail. I have been speaking with officials from the police department. They have been in touch with Jalen Carter's team. They do expect him to comply with these arrest warrants for reckless driving and racing. And this all stems from a deadly crash here in Athens on January 15th that really rattled the Georgia community. And here's a look at that scene from mid-January. New information today about what led up to this crash. Police said Chandler LaCroix, a staff member, was driving one car and Georgia star defensive lineman Jalen Carter was driving another car. So when you when you see that, obviously the timing is terrible. First of all, the story is terrible. You had two people who lost their lives. So that's first and foremost. Second of all, I'm just curious if we're just looking at it from a football perspective. And this guy, again, about as highly rated as, as anybody could be, thought to go number somewhere in the top five. I mean, he is just the man on defense when it, when it comes to this particular draft. If you're a GM, do you look at this and go, like you just said, man, I, I did dumb stuff when I was 22, 23, whatever he is. Yeah. Everybody has. Do you? Do you are you able to chalk it up that way, or do you look at this deeper and go, this is a guy who makes poor decisions, and we can't invest this kind of draft capital into somebody like How do you – because I kind of see both sides of it. I mean, we, we've we lived it here, not with a top five pick, but Malik McDowell out there yeah. on the ATV and, and, you know, doing something presumably dumb that he shouldn't have been doing, and he didn't seem like he was right ab- ever, ever right after that. Right. So – I don't know. Definitely it, not right after that. Yeah, maybe it wasn't right before. There were a couple of yeah. red flags that we had heard about before that, but I don't know. We, it's it's a weird situation where you could look at it and go, ah, yeah, it's a tragic thing, not minimizing it at all, but it's a kid being a kid. They race. It's what happens, and this was took a terrible turn, but it doesn't speak to his character, and we're not worried about him as a part of our team and our community. Yeah, I, and I think that's one of those things where you just have to look the guy in the eye. You know, and I, I think he's gonna. There's going to be a lot of teams, and I think if he, if he does want to get drafted high, and he, you know, if whoever are possible, you know, teams that uh, that are going to draft him, they're going to want to come in there and look at him and ask him questions and see how he reacts, and you know, that's a huge part of it. And we'll talk with Fitterer about that today. I mean, the combine, the interviews, those are pretty much everything. We heard that from from John Schneider too. So, yeah, and you know, I think there's. They've taken risks on some guys like Bruce Irvin. You know, Bruce Irvin uh, was mm-hmm. was in some kind of trouble, and then you know Frank Clark. That whole thing had you know whole that whole incident was yeah. you know, and that was something that was resolved. And the the female prosecutor who had prosecuted you know dozens and dozens of cases came out and said Frank Clark is not an abuser. Right. He's not. And so, you know, the Seahawks were okay w- with that and with that answer. And then the media kind of 
took it and ran with it, and everybody was drawing their own conclusions. And no matter how much um, you know evidence or whatever, they were still going to you know stay away from them. And there are those teams that will do that. I'm trying to remember what was with Malik McDowell beforehand. I can't remember what I think it was that he didn't have quite a motor. I remember that that he wasn't playing super hard on every play. But the thing is, you know, what the Seahawks do, and this is what every team does, but I, I don't think they do it as well. Mo Kelly, who is the player, um, you know, personnel guy that he he takes care of all the, you know, the the athletes when they come in about where to live and how to invest your money and puts on these seminars and stuff. But one of the things he tells them every year is like, this is the most vulnerable part of your entire career because you've been drafted if you're a first rounder, but until you pass your physical, which I I think the date was like the first of June or something like that, there's, there's nothing there for you. You know, there there's, you know, it's, you're very vulnerable. So they, and they pounded that into the kids heads and then Malik McDowell, went and rented a a four-wheeler and i think it was in this downtown in the city of detroit yeah ends up you know cracking his head open so yeah there's uh there's lots of uh risk but this is why just to to get back to you know the seahawks and every other team why they want to look these guys in the eye and talk to them and ask them questions and you know just see how they react yeah this i mean it's just such a sad story that that again lives were lost here and you know he's he's going to have to answer for it. It was interesting. I hadn't heard his name. Is this the first his name was released? Because I hadn't heard the story. Yeah, this was this part was the brand new information. I mean, so the, the crash was tragic. I think they knew about it there because it involved uh, two members of the football community. But but his no name one was knew never that he was there and kind of circled away and came back to the scene. Yeah, so he left the scene, which is problematic too. Mm, That's yeah, not a good thing. I I mean. None of this is good. I'm just trying to look at it. The human part of it is obvious. It's, it's brutal. It's terrible. Um, the football part of it, you just wonder, all right, how do teams view that? I could see some teams going, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if we want to deal with this. The blowback, maybe blowback comes with bringing this guy in. And then I could see another team going, hey, this guy's going to fall. We, we have a chance to get him now. They look yeah. at it as an opportunity. I could see both sides of that if you're a GM who's, looking at a chance to get a player they otherwise wouldn't have access to because maybe he drops in this draft. I think he still gets drafted. I don't, I don't, unless, you know, he's doing jail time or something, who knows how this works out. But if he's available, if he's, you know, I don't, I don't know how the, the legal proceedings go, but assuming he gets cleared of whatever he needs to get cleared of and is able to play and move forward, I have no doubt there's going to be teams that still want him and, you know, we'll get the details of it, but it's just, it's going to be very interesting to see how teams approach this. Yeah. And man, if you're a GM, I can see you wrestling with this because it's, uh, you know, and they don't know, they don't know legally what's going to happen. Is this kid going to be available? Is he going to be going through, is it going to be this long protracted court case and there's a chance he goes away? Is there a chance he's, we're going to draft this guy and we're, he's not even going to be able to play because this is going to consume his life and he's going to spend time in jail or how's this going to work out? I'm sure they've got people in the building and you know they've got a sense of what this could be but there that's a lot of that's a lot of uh questions attached to a guy that is is very prominent in this draft well and this is why i think you got to look him in the eye and just see what you know what what comes out he doesn't have from what i've all the reading i've done i no priors nothing else the guy who's the georgia play-by-play guy i mean he he just went on and on about Jalen Carter. I, mean, I wonder he, if he knew about this. 
Yeah, at that time, because we interviewed him what two weeks ago, yeah. something like that. But I wonder if the I wonder if locally it was not. Well, maybe not because that think, stuff gets out. Yeah, especially for a guy who's touted to be a top five pick. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it, so you look at the things that he did. Okay, they were speeding. They were having like a race. Who was there? Was a running back that had a crash outside the VMAC? Oh, was that ten uh, years uh, ago? Uh, the he was from Buffalo. Ugh. I'm blanking on his name. They were calling it the so-and-so International Speedway. Right. Um, the heck was it? Somebody will text it. it was, he was here for a hot minute. Right. It was a fairly big name at one point. Um, I want to say he was a running back. Running he, back it was or? a running back. Okay. Yes. I, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. But, yes, it was right there on the street in front of uh, the VMAC. Seahawk Way. <laughs> yeah, Seahawk Way. And they were calling it the, the, the so-and-so International Speedway after right. that because he, he well, got the crash out there. <laughs> the I'm other thing completely that was, blanking on his name. Yeah. And, I'm you know, obviously, like you said, it's tragic what we're, what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, I just remember somebody going, oh, yeah, he's got a history of racing. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, he, the, whoever the player, I want to say his name. Name was Fred, Fred Jackson. No, Jackson Taylor. Ah. Yeah, Jackson. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that was uh, something that you know. This is something that kids do. I mentioned you know the stupid Toyota Corona. I remember a couple of times Moyer and I racing out of the uh, the parking garage after post game radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, this is something that kids you know will do. So it's not like this horrible thing. Fred Jackson. Fred Jackson. Okay. Yeah, I just looked at. On the Google machine was involved in a car accident following Tuesday's practice. TMZ reports yeah. uh, that he was uh, drag racing with superstar Marshawn Lynch on ah. a public street outside of the team's practice facility when the wreck occurred. So Fred Jackson, of course, TMZ was all over that. But yeah, so uh, yeah, and I don't remember Marshawn being connected to that. But but yeah, I mean, and then the the biggest error I, I suppose that he makes there is that he didn't go back to the scene, and so and then he left. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I guess I can understand that you're a you know a football player. You're that age. You're like I don't want to get in trouble. You know, your first thing you're thinking, what's what's coach going to say? <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah, that was the the biggest mistake that he made there. What do you, man? So let's just play that out for a moment. Let's say he drops because the thought is, and in, 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 we've got all kinds of mock drafts we'll go over today. But you know, some have trades happening and the Bears trading out of that number one spot. Some some even I sent you the article where some were suspecting or talking about the idea that the Seahawks could move up to number one. That was one of the articles I say. I was like, that didn't make a ton of sense, but it's out there. Uh, But let's just say they stay at five, and there's Jalen Carter, that the Cardinals don't take him because they're a team thought to be uh, the the team to take him at number three, or if the Bears stick at one, that maybe they would take him. So let's say they both said, nah, we don't want to deal with this. If you're the Seahawks, what do you do? Yeah, I don't. I think it's too early to tell. And again, it entirely depends on you know maybe underneath the surface this guy, you know, is has had trouble in the past or not. But I would, I guess, if you asked me to guess, I would say I would think that they would still take him. You know, yeah. based on 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 what this is. I mean, obviously, there's nothing innocent about it because you know people died. But you know what he was doing. Yeah, he was breaking the law. But. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was some kind of a description on Twitter about how they were weaving in and out, and you know the, how the whole thing went down. As you mentioned, 104 miles an hour. I mean, so yeah, they were being unsafe, and you know, every once in a while, I had an Uber driver the other day that took me. Uh, well, it was a few months ago, he was taking me to the airport, and he wanted to show me how his new uh, Tesla. He's like, yeah, this thing's got a lot of get up and go, and I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, watch this. And we're on the beginning of 520. And 
I just got like thrown back into my seat. The G-forces going. Yeah, but we were going like 105 miles an hour. And he was just, just wanted to show me how... You know, and I was like, is this guy crazy? He's trying to get his, t- his tip uh, to grow there. <laughs> so if I get you there quicker and uh, yeah. give you a, kind of a roller coaster ride here, like you're at the amusement park, that'll show up in the tip. No, I was asking him. I'm like, hey, does this thing have get up and go? I mean, I know it's electrical and everything. He's like, yeah, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take two. Still thinking about Dave's uh, get up and go there. It's good. It does, it does. Those things do have get up and go. Uh, so you can hear it tonight at 7, Mariner's Spring Training. It is going on right now. Julio and Jared Kelnick go back-to-back in the fifth inning while Robbie Ray throws three scoreless innings, allowing just one hit against the Cubs. And then because this gets asked a lot, a little programming note on the Mariners. Friday's game is live, 12-10 first pitch, as is Monday. And then all games will be live from March 17th onward, including that stretch. And we're down there from the uh, 20th through the 24th. Nice. I, I again, spring training always got to throw out the qualifier. You take it for what it is. It's you don't put a lot into it, good or bad. But a big but here is for Jared Kelnick. I just think it is huge for him to see success, to have success in any sort of situation, even though it's spring. To have him feel like you know what, I've got some timing. I'm hitting the ball hard. I'm squaring it up. I, th- I think he's uh, he's more than aware of, of the conversations and the and the talk about his struggles and the expectations and all of that. I just think for him more than any other player, this is a big deal to have this kind of success there. Let's start to think about like what kind of guy is he going to be when he does have that success? Because when he first came up, that was obviously because he had success in the minor leagues. Remember, he was sitting down in the dugout and we interviewed him from yeah. up in the booth. And I remember afterwards going... I liked everything he had to say. Yeah. He was he was great. But now, you know, you've seen the other side of him a little bit, you know, that maybe maybe uh, you know, the the failure part of it is is seeping in and obviously it would. I mean, if you've won your whole life and now all of a sudden you're struggling, uh, it's going to be but I, I think it'll be my point is I'm I'm excited to see the successful Jared Kelnick and how he handles it. We're going to talk a little more about this at 4.30. This was interesting that just came out. The NFLPA released team report cards for all 32 NFL teams from a survey of over 1,300 players. Dig into all the categories more uh, at 4.30. There's eight categories they rank teams in. Seahawks come in at 11th best. Well, how about this? Vikings, Dolphins, and Raiders are the top three teams. So, yeah, we will get into this later, and it takes into into account all kinds of different, like air travel and facilities and and food and all these different things. So training, it's, it's not like, hey, they've got the best coaching staff or whatever. It's 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 kind of an all inclusive thing. So, which is interesting. I guess my question would be, what's what's the win for the NFLPA to release that? Yeah, I don't know because they feel like they're doing something to help the players. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they do. They they get dues from every player, and sometimes I feel like they do things to justify their existence, but. It was just seemed very negative, and everything that comes from them is always kind of negative, right? I mean, and I guess that's their point. They're the union. They're supposed to kind of fight the NFL and fight for players' rights and things like that. But, you know, so far we had the DeMar Hamlin thing where they questioned why they didn't call the next game in an hour and that six was, minutes. I thought that was brutal. The, we, we heard them talk about how uh, they wanted the – the combine is a terrible idea, and we need to have these regional things. And now, another dumb one. Yeah, and this one, it was not. It was not very positive. And like I was looking at, I want to say, well, we'll get to it later. But yeah, you know, as far as some of the rankings for the Seahawks, I'm I'm surprised, and I'm just wondering. 
Maybe they maybe they only interviewed all veterans because you know when you get to be a veteran, you're a little bit more likely to. You're not Tell everybody impressed. what sucks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. There's one option we haven't really talked much about in regards to Geno Smith, but it's one that some people think could happen. That's coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The word has come down, Dave. We don't need to uh, venture any further into the attributes of the combine. The 206 says the NFL combine is dumb and pointless. GMs already know who they want to see. They should have to attend all teams' pro days of those players and conduct interviews from there as well. This will give even more unknown players the opportunity to be seen. So it's pointless and it's dumb. <laughs> well, so, it's probably as popular as it's ever been with like viewers and people like that. It's only that. growing. It's growing. But it's always been interesting to me. I, I don't think I'm with you. I think it's a, it's it's an interesting sort of curiosity. It's not like you go, oh, look what this guy did at the combine. I think that used to happen though. There was a yeah, guy Mamula. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. Jason Mamula. The year that I got drafted, there was a guy I never forget. He had like a curly haired mullet. He was from Wisconsin. His name was Rick. Graph mm-hmm. and he ran like a four five nine forty. He was a linebacker. Yeah. So and I remember you know standing around in the bunch of you know linebackers and he was telling somebody you know about how one of the coaches said that hey they said I might might maybe go in the second round and he was he's very open about it. he's like I was supposed to be like a fourth or fifth rounder and they said because I ran that forty you know maybe I could be a second rounder or something he got drafted in the second round yeah and then washes out Rick Graff didn't really make it but um yeah. but yeah so i think that used to happen but now it, that that's not happening but i do think it's the other thing is i think it's fun for the scouts and the coaches i think they have a blast at the combine yeah i mean they're working their tails off but yeah they get a chance to you know everybody knows everybody in the nfl pretty much so yeah it's it's like the it's kind of like the catalina wine mixer bob <laughs> That's exactly right. The bleeping Catalina wine. That's mixer. what uh, John Schneider will tell you. <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll get into more of that. We'll talk to John Schneider tomorrow. He'll he'll join us from the combine. He's out there in Indianapolis, so he will be on the phone uh, for this week's uh, John Schneider show, which will happen tomorrow. But meanwhile, uh, in looking at all these mock drafts, I sent you one. Um, Mel Kiper had had an interesting take on it. And we'll get deeper into his his uh, his draft his mock draft at four o'clock, but. Something that he threw out there that we haven't really gotten into. We brought up the idea of a franchise tag, certainly. If you're Gino, and, and he threw out the idea that they tag Gino, which is just a shade over $32 million, and then they draft the quarterback that he thinks they should draft and let him develop under Gino for a year. No, Kuiper did. Yeah. 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 And, and again, we'll get into that later. But I'm thinking from Gino's perspective, is that is that the worst thing or is that possibly a great thing? Depending on your level of belief in yourself that you're going to do it again. That you're going to have a year similar to what you had. Now, I know you can't guarantee it, and there's, it's not all up to you. A lot of it depends on what's around you. But if he's truly the guy we saw last season moving forward, isn't he almost in a better position? He'll get over $32 million guaranteed this year. Then he gets to dive back into the free agent pool once again, yeah. where that number for a quarterback is going to grow. It grows every year. 
and maybe Joe Burrow signs a new contract that brings the average up even further. And, and you know, the other quarterbacks sign these ridiculous deals and the salary cap grows again. It, it almost feels like if he's that confident, I understand the idea of injury and you don't, you'd like to get as much guaranteed money as possible. Totally get that. But this, this could work out like Kirk Cousins has been the king of these situations of the franchise tag and getting just truckloads of money year after year with the franchise tag situation. Maybe Gino could look at this and maybe his reps are looking at it going, Hey, if we don't get our, whatever it is they want, just say 40, if we don't get our 40, yeah, we'll take the tag for a year. Cause we're going to be right back here next year. And that number only goes up. We're in a position to make even more money on the heels of another good season. Yeah. When you presented this idea last night, I thought, you know what? That's, you know, I was like, you know what, Bob, that's not bad. Maybe you should be an agent. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but if you look at, uh, first of all, and here's what I, I, I think we'll find out by the time, you know, March 15th rolls around. If if Gino's not getting a lot of attention from other teams and not getting that because, and he gets the sense that, and this is the sense that I get, that he needs to do it for another year. He's yeah. still in kind of a prove-it phase, which yeah. is, which is pretty hard to believe, I guess, considering the year that he had. But still, I just think it's, I think it creeps into everybody's mind that, yeah, but what about those other years, right? Mm-hmm. So now you go, you sign the tag, what, at $32.5 million. It's way, way, way more than you've made in, in your, your entire in your career. career. And you go out and you have your prove-it year. Yeah. And the other thing that can go along with that, and I'm not sure if Kuiper, did he have... The Seahawks like moving back and to taking number nine to take the quarterback, right? Yep. So then you bring you draft with your your first round draft choice a quarterback. I'm just saying this could be a scenario, and then he sits you know behind Geno on a one year deal, and you know hopefully Geno will be happy with that. But I think you know that I think Geno would only you know want to go that route if that is true about the rest of the NFL. We're we'll, we're speculating on that. You know, based on, well, we haven't really heard that many people talking about Geno. It's yeah. been more about Derek Carr. And Aaron Rodgers and, and Justin Fields right. and, and Garoppolo and every other. I mean, quarterbacks who are, and we'll, we asked Fitterer about this. I, I, I truly believe, to to quote KJ, that uh, <laughs> that I think there is just apprehension that is this real? We, you know, we love what he did. You can't debate a season. He had a brilliant season. But is that who he is? Are we willing to invest $40 million, $35 million, whatever the number is, in this guy who's been one version for nine seasons and then this season, whatever the seasons have been, and then this season is completely different, which is true. So I, I get the apprehension and I get the idea of let me see it for another year. Maybe that's why we're not hearing the whispers of, hey, so, so-and-so likes him or so-and-so this team really is interested in Geno if things don't work out with the Seahawks or you, you always hear those things and we've just not heard a whisper about him no. so and we'll we'll ask Scott Fitter I mean that's an opposing GM that's a GM in another market and you know and we'll let you hear what he has to say about that idea but that's the only thing I can think of because the season was too good not to have other teams out there I mean and there are a ton of teams that need quarterbacks yeah well, and the Seahawks may think that the best scenario is that look, ultimately we we want Geno back for three years, and you know we want to do this. But if you know if that doesn't happen and it doesn't come to fruition, and the Seahawks tag him, it'd be it wouldn't be like because a lot of some quarterbacks don't like getting tagged, mm-hmm. you know. But if everybody you've got a chance to be in the market, 
right? Yeah. And so it's not like there's going to be any animosity. And if Gino's going to sign a franchise tag or that much money for one year with any team, it's going to be the Seahawks. So it kind of puts you know both of them in in a really good position. Gino believes in himself; he's going to you know have his prove it year, and then the you know the Seahawks they. I don't know if they're going to draft, and that may not, you know, that may not happen. They may not, you know, go the whole scenario as far as Mel Kiper right. says, whereas they're where they're going to draft a quarterback. But if you did, then you'd have Geno kind of as, uh, you know, the guy that uh, brings him into the league, and maybe in year two he's able to, you know, Geno goes signs his forty million dollar deal or whatever it's worth, and then uh, you got a quarterback who's uh, going into his second year. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a, that's kind of why I love these mock drafts, and we'll get into those coming up in the four o'clock hour. There's a whole bunch of them out there we looked at, so get into that. Meanwhile, we know this one will get Dave riled up, really riled up. So this is, it's called what's bugging Bob. This will be more about what's bugging Dave. That's coming up next here. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. This is, again, slowly morphed into what's bugging us. We seem, we seem to rotate. There'll be me, there'll be Dave, there'll be Thumb, and you know, sometimes it's all three of us. But uh, this is one I, I saw last night, Dave, and I obviously I couldn't help but think of you when it comes to grass, when it comes to groundskeeping. Weed, when it comes, the weed. No, yeah. it's not the weed. We're okay. not talking about the weed. We don't like weed. <laughs> well, speak Weeds. for yourself. Uh, but uh, just talking about groundskeeping. This, this is a story about the Super Bowl, and and we all talked about the field, and it's it's been a conversation since that game, and how, how could it be as bad as it was, and they had all this time to prepare, and they spent almost a million dollars. Remember, it was $800,000 to get that thing where it was. Yeah. and all brand, the paint. And yeah, just everything, and it was just a bit of a disaster out there. Well, they had an expert way on a way in on it, and that is the the sod father. And we've in that story I sent you has a picture of him wearing a shirt, and it looks it's in the the logo of the Godfather, the writing, and it says the sod father, <laughs> and that's George Toma, who's ninety four years old right now. And uh, guess what that means? He, he doesn't give a crap what anybody thinks, and he does not, man. He does not. So he apparently did an interview with ESPN, said he believes the field was overwatered in the days leading up to the game, uh, according to Toma, who has been nicknamed the Sod Father. The field was watered the Wednesday morning before the game and promptly rolled into the stadium on a movable tray. We've seen that video before uh, that housed the grass. Uh, Toma contended that the field should have been watered in the morning and kept outside to dry before being rolled in. So, so, and he's, he's talking about a guy who's in charge now that used to work under him. Uh, Ed Mangan is his name. So Thomas quotes. So what he does, uh, he waters the hell out of it, puts it right into the stadium and that's it. Never sees sunlight again. He can't do that. Uh, it had a rotten smell apparently. And he said, because it was, I guess, starting to rot because it didn't have sun. It wasn't drying out. It was moist and tucked away in the, uh, under the stadium. It started to decay. Um, he alleges that, that Mangan didn't sand the field enough. He sanded it two weeks too late. He had only one sanding. He should have had two or three sandings, but he didn't do bleep, and that was it. And not only that, he didn't take care of it. He wouldn't listen to anybody. <laughs> and then at the end, the best quote that you and I were just talking about, um, this is a guy who's been in the business for 80 years. He retired after more than 80 years in groundskeeping business. 
He said, quote, I can't take it anymore. Me and the league are finished. They can't tell me what to do anymore. We're done. <laughs> this is a guy that was born in like the late 30s, I guess. Did they He's say? He's 94 years old. How old he is? Oh, okay. He's yeah. 94. Yeah. So. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, the late 20s, actually. So. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't care. He's been around for a long time, and I guess that's when you started working when you were fourteen years old, because yeah, eighty so. years eighty years in the in the business. But yeah, that was frustrating to me, and I, I'm glad we heard this from him. It does kind of sound like me a little bit, the cranky old man. I wonder if he ever puts up a hillbilly fence. <laughs> probably, what, what would he you think more about thought into his? What fences? do you think about dogs? Uh, I remember. <laughs> The the groundskeeper in Denver I did not like. He was just kind of a smart ass. And I asked him one time I'm, I had Lefty. Lefty man was like the best dog ever. Uh, well, next to Hoover and yeah. Frank. Uh, but yeah, and so uh, my dog was peeing on the grass, and that kills the grass. And so I went to him and said, "You know, what do you do? What, is there anything you can do?" And he goes, "Shoot your dog." And I'm like, "That's stupid. You're an idiot." You yeah. Slapped him for that. Yeah. So uh, I've never really have heard from from anybody how. And I know people will text in, feed your dog cranberry juice or, <laughs> gonna have all their, you know, yeah, all, all these different things that I'm sorry, I, I don't think any of them work. But I'd like to ask the sod father about that. I just, what do you think about how basic he made it sound? Maybe it, it's not. It sounded easy. But didn't it sound like this is common sense stuff? Why would, yeah. you know, you'd, how do you water it and you roll it under the stadium and never saw sunlight again and you only sanded it once? You're supposed to sand it two or three times. I mean... He would know. I'll take his word for it. But well, remember watching the the guys out at uh, at Seahawk practice yeah. after practice is over and we're still doing our show. They're out there with the sand immediately every day, almost it seems like. And then they go fill all the divots and everything. But yeah, that especially the smell. And I wonder if I didn't hear any players or anybody talking about the the smell. And I wonder if it was if anybody else noticed that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess it's just rotting under there if it's wet and didn't get any sunshine or sand. So I think that's uh, – it sounds – he makes it sound pretty easy, but I'll, I'll be interested to hear if there's a, a rebuttal from the NFL. It's just interesting. That's a guy that used to work under him, so he knows yeah. him. You know, He's just like, he didn't do bleep. He wouldn't listen to anybody. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just – it's inexcusable for an event of that magnitude. That we talk about it all the time. We we look at the ratings every year. The Super Bowl is the most viewed program of any pro, not sports, any program, any TV show, any news show. State of the Union from the present doesn't matter. It it outdoes everything by a lot. It's the biggest event every year. Well, not only that, the NFL is the biggest event. Uh, you know, you talk about the 80 top shows. Yeah. I mean, there's only usually 15 or 20 that aren't NFL games. And some of them are like Miami versus Buffalo or something. So, uh, but yeah, I, that's the most basic thing, right? The field. The field is just vital. And, and, and if it's not ready and it's not it's not ready to go, you see number one guys getting hurt. Remember in, uh, in Washington, mm-hmm. isn't that where, uh, who's the DN we had that blew his knee out out there in the Chris playoffs? Chris Clemens. Clemens. Yep. And yeah. RG three got hurt out there. Yeah. And it just, for, for this event though, how do you, how do you screw that up? Yeah. How does well, it field the, the topic? It just makes it even more outrageous because, you know, I'm making the case for, Hey, the NFL should, you'd think that they would have the whole grass thing down otherwise go to, you know, the artificial turf, which I believe is more consistent and although you know there are still even pete was talking about he was making a push for more natural grass but that part is more difficult but i just think that 
there's somebody out there like the sod father that can do it. Yeah. You know, like I go through trials and tribulations that might, you know, use this, <laughs> use that. This didn't work last year. That worked. These guys know, and they've got all of this experience. And like you said, not only football just being so important and the number one thing that you think is the field, but the Super Bowl. I mean, how how does that how, how does that miss? That's inexcusable. Get missed there. Yeah, it's it is it is ridiculous. Yeah. So there you go. The sod father has spoken. I like that he's just like, wait, I'm done. They can't tell me what to do anymore. He just sounds he like a new bleep. I don't. I'm 94 <laughs> years old. I don't give a damn who we're talking about. How much money they make. <laughs> love it. I love it. All right. He was a longtime member of the Seahawks front office, and he is now the GM of the Carolina Panthers, and he'll join us next here with Wyman and Bob. It is Scott Fitterer, so stay tuned for that conversation. Coming up, this is Seattle Sports on 710.